you're listening to Swinging Down Under, a podcast about the swinging, non-monogamous lifestyle, from two crazy Australians with over four years of lifestyle antics to keep you entertained, informed, angry, happy and horny. Join our international swinging adventures. And welcome. I'm C, crazy female Australian Sheila and believer of all things love, balance and sexy times. And this is Dee. I'll be doing my best to keep the dad jokes to a minimum, which is probably going to be highly unlikely. Along with that, I'll keep C in check where I can. Did I mention I'm a pilot? We'll be your podcast host for today, so sit back and enjoy the sweet, sweet melodies. G'day guys and welcome to episode 80. Today we actually have an interview with Bob and Tess from Naughty Events, so we're going to spend a bit of time talking to them about their history, about them as a couple, about Naughty in New Orleans and a few of the other events that they're hosting in 2019 and 2020. So keep an ear out for that interview coming up shortly. Before we go ahead and get started though, a few housekeeping items. I just wanted to thank everybody for their feedback on our last podcast. That was a a bit of a difficult one for us as most of you well know and we received some mixed reviews on it but I really appreciated everybody as always listening in and, and giving us their feedback on what they think about the Swinging Down Under episodes. We really do appreciate it. If you guys are out there and thinking about joining us at Naughty in New Orleans in July, we do have a section on our website where you can register as well as sign up for our chat group. We are running a separate chat group as well as a meet and greet on Thursday morning. So we are going offsite. We have a private venue arranged for that with a number of our other podcasting friends. So check that out and join our chat group. If you are heading to Naughty in New Orleans, please jump on and, and have a look at that. Uh, One last item as well, I just wanted to mention that we are running a competition at the moment. We are in the process of launching our newsletter and we're giving away this really sexy pillowcase. It's actually, uh, it's really fun. It's Joker and he's actually uh, spanking someone's bottom. So go and have a look at that. Um, And uh, it's obviously daddy's little girl, but um, jump online. If you register for our newsletter in uh, January, then we will be sending this pillowcase out to somebody there out anywhere in the globe. We're going to post that out to you guys with a couple of other goodies from swinging down under so as always we appreciate the hell out of you guys for joining us on today's episode as we chat to bob and tess from naughty events i'm going to hand over now to the interview but as always again thank you so much for listening to swinging down under thank you so much bob and tess well normally you know i know you guys go by bob and tess but forgive me i always like to say the lady's name first so i'm gonna i'm gonna roll with tess and bob for this interview but thank you so much for joining us tonight we're glad to be here. And actually, all of our screen names and all the popular websites uh, are Tess and Bob. Oh, because perfect. Because the lady should always come first. Exactly. I like where your head's at, <laughs> in, Tess. In and out of the lifestyle, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we are super excited to chat to you guys tonight um, to talk about Naughty New Orleans, to talk about what you guys are doing with Naughty Events and to kind of, I guess, get a bit of insight into to you guys. Now, we've got some questions, but we have some listener questions too. So we're, we're really stoked to have you on today. But let's, before we talk about everything else, let's talk about you guys. I read a little bit about you. I'm not going to lie. I stalked. Well, I mean, this is not the first time we've stalked. Yeah. <laughs> because we stalked prior to coming to Naughty the first time. So um, there's been a lot of stalking going on. And Kate is the queen of stalkers. Oh, I am. Yeah, I'm good at it. Yeah, you're a little psychotic. So you guys, you've been together for 32 years. I read that, Tess, you were Bob's first kiss. Tell us what's going on. What's happening with you guys? Tell us a little about yourselves now. Well, you've actually been together uh, 35 years. That's old uh, material you've read. (laughs) We've been married for 32 32 years. This year will be 33. And uh, yes, I was his first kiss. Um, first everything. First everything. I totally robbed him of his morals. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so happy that she did. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, oh, it's, it's <laughs> been horrible for you ever since. I can, you know, I, I really nobody sympathizes with you. Just FYI. <laughs> I was actually a shy little quiet church boy. I was trying to decide on whether to go to Bible college or art school, and somehow I found my way to art college. Met Tess in line and the rest, registration. Yeah, the rest is day. history. Wow, that's um, that's quite a story. So, Tess, were your morals already bankrupt at this point? <laughs> they were close. <laughs> they were very close. She was much more of a worldly person than I was, and uh, you know, you go to a, a visual art college. Uh, our joke for a long time was that we were the only two straight people 
in the college, and that's why we got married. And then I found out later on that I was the only straight person <laughs> in the college. That that's a good segue, though. I mean, you, you guys obviously, you know, you have naughty events, and you you're surrounded by everything, you know, lifestyle now. Do you guys actually classify yourselves as, you know, swingers or what do you, uh, without trying to put, you know, these crazy labels on it, but what do you guys like to identify as? Well, I actually do like the word swinger. I, I wrote an article about it years ago about the connotation for the word swinging has changed so much over the years. I mean, it started with swing dancers. And of course, in the 50s, a rap pack, they were all swingers and everyone wanted to be a swinger in that context. Um, you know, then it became this Austin Powers swinger baby in the seventies. And it really fell out of favor. I think, I, I think the AIDS epidemic had a lot to do with it. And, uh, people at that point were like, Oh my God, that's, we can't do that. And it's really, I'm hoping changing and coming around and becoming a more positive word. Uh, we've all looked for different words. You know, we're in the lifestyle, we're modern couples, we're open couples, um, you know, sex positive, all these things have come up, but really the best definition that defines us and to this day, Tess and I, we're swingers. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really cool spin on it. I'm going to, you know, I would, I'll go back and find that article that you're talking about and I'll put that up in our uh, show notes because I'm really keen to, to hear that. You're right. There has been some positivity around the term swing, right? It is changing. I mean, there, there's a lot of, sex positive culture and, and education and, you know, uh, organizations coming along now that I think are putting a more positive spin on the word. It's kind of similar to what gay and lesbian uh, movement went through several years ago. And they've really gained acceptance. And, and I think that's the importance. We're not trying to convince people to join us. We're simply trying to convince people to tolerate us and allow us to live our life as we see fit, as long as we don't encroach on them yeah i mean um you guys are really at the forefront of this as well certainly you know, you've been around this for a while as you've as you've explained how long you know strictly speaking how long have you guys been in a swinging relationship or ethically non-monogamous or whatever you want to call it uh let's see i think we started when we had been uh married for five years so that's been 30 years ago it's been a long time. It's been a long, long time. time. <laughs> More than one decade. Yeah. And from there, you well, I mean, it's a little while, well, quite a while after that before you started your first house party, right? 1997, I think. It's kind of interesting, though. Like, seven years after we got together is when Tess actually approached me about this unique opportunity. And, and I think a lot of people at that seven-year mark, they call it the seven-year itch, mm. find themselves at a crossroads like how are we going to proceed we've we've been together for seven years which is a significant amount of time and more than many relationships but relationships tend to take a turn around that time and that's what happened with us she came to me and said i'd like to bring a woman home and i was like what like how would we even do this <laughs> yeah and- already, already had plans <laughs> <laughs> this is this is pre before all before- Cassie.com and LifestyleLounge.com. This is before all of those. So I was like, how do we find someone? And luckily, she already had it all set up. But the important thing is we kind of have evolved like most couples. Most couples get together and have a normal life and a normal sex life. And at some point, they sit up and go, should we try something different? Mm -hmm. And and that can change to the end of a relationship or – or blossom is something amazing like it has with us. And it was several years later where we did our first house party. I think we're like most people. You kind of dip your toe into it. You look on the internet. You listen to podcasts. You might go to a meet and greet. You know, eventually we went to our first on-premise club. You know, it, it takes time to explore all these things. And eventually we did our first house party at our house. And that was a pretty big step for us. Yeah, and I mean, so since then, obviously, naughty events. Um, I didn't realize that that this had been, you know, you guys had actually been going for so long. I mean, um, you know, Daryl and I, we've only been in the lifestyle now uh, for about five, going on five years. And so, you know, when I was looking at the history, you know, starting the first actual convention in 1999, and then 
starting the cruises in, in 2016, like I had no idea that you guys have just been doing this and, and growing. And, and as you, as you said before, trying to take the, the stigma away from, from the lifestyle a little bit, not necessarily convincing others to, to join uh, against their will, but as you say, against you their know, will, tolerating. I mean, wow. Well, no, like- <laughs> we have a strict swinger waterboard program. <laughs> We've developed over the years, but oh, you're so funny. Oh, well, we did. You know, um, we just started throwing parties because there was nothing around uh, at that time where we lived, and we just wanted to meet other people. And um, and it just got bigger and bigger. It ended up with like 175 people at our house, and it just became too big. That's when Tess pulled the plug on the house parties. Yeah, I was like, okay, this is a little too big. We're gonna have to do something else, and. Uh, we moved to downtown in New Orleans to the French Quarter. That's that's how our first French Connection party started, and uh, it blossomed from there until it it grew so large. We were dominating these hotels, and we decided to do our first takeover. It was actually 2006 when we did our first cruise. Um, so we started planning our first cruise. Right. Yeah. So we've been working on the cruise business now for well over 10 years, and we're not trying to uh, convert people. Uh, we're certainly not trying to impose what we do on people that aren't interested in this lifestyle. We just want to be left alone to do what we think is right. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember Tessa's mom coming to her saying, I didn't raise my daughter this way uh, when she found out. And, uh, uh, you know, I remember telling her, absolutely, you did. You raised your daughter to be a very strong, independent woman. And her mom actually told her, be in charge of your own sexuality. Do not rely on another man to take care of you financially, uh, sexually, anything like that. You be your own woman. And that's what she was. She was actually much stronger and much more open than I was. And uh, I, I think it's exactly because of the way she was raised by her mom. And and um, it's been hard for her to understand, but her mom accepts us. And that's all we can ask for. Yeah, I noticed the um, the first uh, event or first major event was in 1999. Um, I'm actually just curious. Was that just so that you could play the Prince song at the event? <laughs> I think that's what it feels like to me. <laughs> you know, the first convention is all – I mean, that that's what it feels like to me. Um, we have been doing our um – uh, monthly parties for about a little over a year when Bob uh, came to me and says, you know, we had been to a convention in Florida and he was like, we could do this because, you know, New Orleans is uh, the city where we tell people that we're from New Orleans, they say one of two things. They say, oh, I always wanted to go there. Or they say, oh, it's my favorite city. And he's like, we could put an event on here in New Orleans and make it amazing. And so we planned it for a little over a year. And so it just happened to be in 99 when uh, when it happened. We're actually still partying like it's 1999. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that first year, we worked our butts off and promoted and went all over to get enough people to fill a hotel. And, and uh, we still had uh, actual real jobs at that time. Um, so we were doing everything after hours and we were really – working long hours to make this uh, event happen. And uh, and it was successful in the fact that everyone had a great time and they love coming to New Orleans and experience New Orleans food and culture and music. Um, but financially, it was a disaster. We actually had to go out and get a loan for over $40,000 afterwards just to pay our hotel bill and because uh, we did not fill the entire hotel. And, and we see this happen all the time where people – get something a little bit too big on their first time. We did. And luckily for us, you know, Tess came to me and says, what are we going to do? And I said, uh, we're just going to do the same thing next year. Everyone had a blast. They'll bring their friends and we'll sell out. And that's exactly what we did. Yep. So 2000 was our first sellout and the rest, so to speak, is history. Yeah, I, I have to correct you too, Tess, because you said before that was when you had, you know, when you had real jobs. I mean, uh, you guys work your butt off. It's not easy running events. It's not easy connecting with sponsors, connecting with uh, venues, you know, getting these folks in. It's, it's, it's not an easy job. And in fact, um, 
I was actually talking to our friends from Tasmania uh, down in Australia. They're actually coming to Naughty New Orleans and they were in the room next to you, I believe, um, in LA or something like that at one of your events. And they said that Tess worked her butt off was her, were, the, were their exact words. So, you know, it's, it's not easy. Bob was just lazing around, <laughs> feet up on the table. Bob was by the pool. <laughs> I, I do tend to work seven days a week. Um, there's always something every day I'm doing. Um, it, it never stops, but uh, I am learning to relax a little bit more these days. For sure. Well, let, let's talk. Let's get into Nin. Um, you know, I I don't know uh, if you, how much you guys know about our story, but we actually we came to Nin in 2016, and we were fairly new into the, our journey. And it, it was like we were overwhelmed back then. So we're ready to come back in 2019. And, and I got to tell you, look out Bourbon Street because we're letting these Aussies loose. <laughs> I'm not holding anything back. We love the Aussies. They're the closest things we found to true New Orleanians as we travel. We, we travel a lot, as you know, and uh, we've met a lot of great Aussies along the way. And they always have just a, a, a goat go for it kind of attitude and they're usually some of the last people we see up at night and some of the first people we see up in the morning so they they party like true new orleanians well you'll only see me up at night and you'll only see kate up in the morning we, <laughs> we kind of split that um because uh, night time is not generally it's quite interesting actually i never would have picked kate as a swinger um, up until we got into it, because normally she's ready to go to sleep by nine thirty. So um, that's certainly changed her life a little bit. But the yeah. the beauty about traveling internationally for your event, though, is that uh, the time zones uh, put you us know, perfectly put us perfectly ready to party. You know what I mean? We're we're, we're about ready. We're having our first coffee, you know, in the morning when when people start and go head out and party. So uh, that's you know that's why we can kind of hit it, but. Talking about Nin, I mean, over the years I've read, uh, you know, and heard people talk about a podcast, the, the demographics, how many folks that you guys get. I mean, can you share with us and our listeners who comes and where do they come from and how many people come, Any anything like that that you can help us out with? Well, they come from all over the world. Um, a majority of our, of our people usually are from the U.S. and Canada. But we get people from South America, from Europe, from China, from Australia, I mean, they really do come from everywhere. Um, the average age is about 46 to 48. That, uh, of course, for, uh, for Naughty and Nolans, we don't actually track, you know, ask people what their ages are, but for our cruises, we, we have to have their birth dates, mm-hmm. uh, for the main fest. Um, but last year we had about 2,400 people at Naughty and Nolans. And that's up quite a bit since 2016. So I think you'll see a little bit of an uptick, but we're kind of in a, in a, we've hit that glass ceiling, I guess, of how many people we can have. Uh, we've actually, for the first time this year, we have a second hotel takeover, um, very close to the main hotel. And it also has playrooms and, and events going on at that second hotel. So we've had overflow hotels before where we put, 30 couples in this hotel, 40 in this. This year we have uh, close to a 200-room hotel that we've taken the entire place over. So so this year it's going to be interesting having those both those options and see how that goes this year. But I'm ve- we're very excited about it. So do you, I mean, do you, I know that obviously you guys are investing a lot in marketing and trying to build the brand as well, but do you think there's a natural increase as well that's coming along with the groundswell because we seem to see a lot more people out there now, especially, you know, and they're getting younger, the, the people who are interested in this type of lifestyle. So I'm just curious as to whether you think it's a, a bit of both or, or what um, what's driving the, the increase there. It's awareness. It's public awareness. And what we're seeing is a change in what's acceptable sexually. Uh, the gay and lesbian movement has really forged this uh this journey for us they've they've expanded what people think about as acceptable with sexuality quite a bit since when tess and i started Uh, a good example is when when i was young and you guys age when i was when i was a baby (laughs) you never saw two women kiss at a movie theater i remember the first time i saw an actual movie with two women kiss i was like oh my god 
it was so scandalous, but so sexy. And <laughs> and now today, two women kissing is like nothing. I mean, it's it's so common in college. These young girls growing up, uh, when Katy Perry came out with "She Kissed a Girl," uh, it was so much less scandalous. And now, it, it's just the norm. So as you see these people growing up, the millennials that embrace a much wider sexuality than was acceptable when we grew up, the natural growth of that, of that movement is people coming to clubs and going to BDSM clubs and swing clubs and uh, movies like 50 shades of gray. While that was more BDSM, uh, subject matter, it's, it's changing the way people think publicly about sexuality. And the internet has a, a lot to do with it as well. It's so you can find much more information about it um, now than back when we first started um, with the magazines instead. Um, it really has helped to spread the word and reach out all across the world. Back when we started, it was just us and, you know, Barney Rubble and Fred Flintstone. <laughs> A, yeah, just, a few people, but oh, and there was Betty. Don't forget Betty. Oh, oh yeah, she was cute. <laughs> now I have I have a funny question for you guys because when we were uh, there in 2016, I think we got we got in the elevator and someone was talking about how many mattresses are bought in for the playrooms. Um, how many are there? Like, do you know how many are in the playrooms? That are, are you know in the main host hotel? I know exactly everything that we have. We have spreadsheets. We have a warehouse. It's it's quite a complex. But um, there's 140 pieces, I know, with, with our mattresses. But some of those, that also includes the box springs. Um, some we have box springs. Some we have uh, different ways of putting the mattresses. But, I mean, off the top of my head, I know there's 140 pieces. But I'd say somewhere maybe between 80 and 90 actual mattresses. That's crazy. <laughs> That's, um, yeah. I mean, I think there's, uh, you know, certainly being there last time around, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of play areas that you can have an awful lot of fun at and, and, uh, really well organized as well. I have to say, guys, you know, that, that's never been anyone's concern at Naughty is knowing that they've got fresh sheets and things like that as soon as somebody's finished with the last, with their last play session. It's kind of my pet peeve. Um, I'm the one that kind of put together the playroom and I want it to be very sensual and pretty. You know, guys don't care. You, you can put six mattresses in a basketball court and the guys will be happy, you know, with the lights on and, and they don't care. But, um, it, I, I always say, you know, the whole meta from Mars, I always say I'm from Venus. I've always <laughs> had kind of an affinity for, you know, spaces being sensual and nice and for me to feel comfortable there. And we think it's, I think it's important for the music and the lighting and the mood, uh, you know, to be something that actually draws people in where they want to play. And I remember setting up our first playrooms and calling Tess in and, and Tess is more from Mars. She's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll have sex in here. And, <laughs> but but it's been important, and, and we've added things even since 2016. We have a lot more beds, a lot more playrooms. Uh, like I said, we've expanded to the two hotels, so we have playrooms in both places. Um, our cruise ships were actually, you know, people that, – that's one of the times where people first started seeing in mass, you know, 3,800 people at a time, you know, our playrooms. And it, it became a signature thing for us, and so much so that, you know, one of the – the new uh, announcements we have now is uh, Desire and Temptation Resorts. Abbas come on their cruises and and put our playrooms on there and give it that you know Bob and Tess touch. So so we're excited that we're absolutely actually taking our playrooms on the road now to Las Vegas for an upcoming event in May and and also Naughty New Orleans, but also now you know on more cruise ships. So I, I think it's. I just think it's important to have a really beautiful, sensual space that people can play at at these types of events. And just to clarify that for our listeners, that, that may be a metaphorical touch of a bob and test rather than an actual <laughs> touch, touch, although if you play your cards right, it might be both. Yep, for sure. <laughs> 
Do you, so being an event host, I mean, we, we've hosted a few, um, you know, meet and mingles and, and pub crawls over the years, but what we've found is that we never get to play at our events. You know, you know, as you said, Tess, you, you're working so hard, you're kind of running around, you're trying to do everything. Do you guys ever get a chance to play at your own events? It depends on the events. Uh, we have before, and um, it's hard for us to play together at our events mm-hmm. because we're both going in different directions. But, you know, it really just kind of depends on how exhausted we are and uh, the opportunities that present themselves. We try. I mean, we are, at our core, swingers. And and here we are at an event with 2,400 people, and we – always eventually get some sort of an offer but you know the the typical problem for us is someone comes up and says hey do you want to do something now while somebody on my other side is saying hey someone just threw up in the bathroom yeah (laughs) you you got to take care of it and it's like oh geez the last thing i want to do is leave a pretty girl to go deal with somebody (laughs) in the bathroom. but but it's just part of our what we have to do luckily for me and for for tess in new orleans um our house was only a few blocks from the hotel. And what we found in the past was uh, sometimes we'll s- escape and go over to our little pool of souls and we'll invite people to come up with us over there. And that's usually where we get most of the opportunity for playtime is when we're physically out of the hotel without somebody whispering our ear about something going on and we can just take a moment over at the pool and have a good time. Yeah, we we actually we're big advocates for um for morning or day sex at like uh, events like this, or if you go to Desire or something, because the evenings are so full of everything else that's going on. You know, you, you either can't leave or don't want to leave. So we we're big advocates for that hooking up during the day. Well, just so you know, I'm always up early. <laughs> <laughs> Is there coffee? <laughs> I'm usually up earlier than him. <laughs> I like, like to have it, but some people will, uh, one of my uh, favorite things to do is, you know, someone will come up to me and say, Hey, let's, you know, let's play. When can we play? I say, you know what? Wake me up. Come at eight in the morning and knock on my door. Then I'll be able to play. <laughs> wow. That actually sounds really quite sexy rather than uh, just hand him a key and say, wake me up in the morning. That sounds like a lot of fun. You know the old saying, right? What? what the early bird catches the pussy, no? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's, yep. that's, that's what I got told. Right? Yeah. Well, look, you're taking over being the funny one on the podcast. It's I getting am. weird. Hey, uh, so I just, I want to mention the, uh, the upcoming lifestyle awards. I was looking into that and I didn't realize that. You guys actually, I mean, I know that you're, you're very passionate about, uh, sex workers, you're advocates for, for that. I know that you do a lot of charity and, uh, you have your, um, your own sort of, uh, volunteer area, um, on that. But the, the lifestyle awards, you guys, you guys, you guys started them, you, you fund them. Uh, you know, tell us why you think it's, uh, why you think it's important. Like what, what about the lifestyle awards and, and that recognition? Uh, you know, what's driving that for you guys? You know, we, for years, we've always had lifestyle business, meet and greets, get togethers at our events, uh, so people can talk to other people in the business. And it's, it's so funny to be in a industry get together and listen to people's stories because there are stories. We all have the same stories over and over and over again in different locations around the world. Um, but the one thing that we didn't have was any sort of recognition. For all these people that were just really working hard, many not making any money. We, we went to a club last night, and this club doesn't make any money. And, you know, they work their butts off because they love it. And that's, that's what we found in this industry, in this lifestyle. Is only a few people make money. Uh, most people are doing it for love. And even the people that are making money, because we're proud to say that we earn a living at this because – uh, we work hard at it, but mm-hmm. the, the, no one was getting recognition. So we decided to put this awards together, and um, we actually uh, have like an independent person that actually goes on and puts up the people's, you know, the, the they look for new clubs and new podcasters and whatever, and they're constantly updating and putting things up. We we stay out of the voting side of it, but um, but we do, you know, put it on at our event. We did. Uh, fund the awards and and kind of got it together and it, it's really grown from you know just a simple little show that 
you know, it took a half an hour to, you know, kind of like the lifestyle Grammys or other Oscars. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's, I think there's been appreciation, even for people that don't win, you know, they're like, uh, we're just glad that somebody is recognizing all the, uh, the hard work, the hard work. Yeah, I I um I think it's really important because you are right. I mean, it, a lot of people are doing this their own time, their own money. Um, you know, trying to support the community, trying to put it out there, and uh, you know, it is kind of nice to have something that helps people feel recognized. I think it gives a legitimacy to an industry. Like nobody thought of this as an industry ten years ago. It was just mom and pops getting together to open up clubs, many in their houses, in their homes. And, and we know lots of people that lost everything because they started a club in their house and then, you know, got raided, got shut down, mm-hmm. got outed, got put on TV, got arrested, um, you know, consequences that they certainly never anticipated. So, you know, for these reasons, we thought it was good to get back. But it is an industry. Strip clubs went through a similar thing years ago. Most strip clubs were mom and pop run deals. And now strip clubs are actually you know, on the Dow, there's strip clubs trading publicly as publicly traded companies. Um, it, it's, they become corporations and much more, you know, professional. And we see the same thing with our industry. You know, most clubs and event planners now uh, have corporations set up and, and they're doing things much better. And I think because of this, you're finding more legal clubs, uh, less raids, less problems. And, uh, and more people having fun enjoying themselves. Yeah, it's um, it's in- interesting to you know to think about what the future holds, especially the near future, because certainly, if I look back to Australia, I mean, obviously we're located in Singapore here now, which is a little bit um, uh, different in terms of their the their movement along the sexual spectrum. But uh, back in Australia, certainly in the time that we've been involved in this. It's been a huge change in face in how the business operates. You know, it is much more of a business now um, with a, a mindset to actually keeping customers happy. And, and that means not only are the customers having sex, but they're having sex in places that they enjoy rather yeah. than in, you know, things that are thrown together on a weekend. Right. Things used to be in little dark, shady little places and now we're seeing them in very beautiful upscale clubs. And I think this is a good thing. I, I had somebody contact me one time and say, you know, the cops are really screwing with me. And, you know, they keep coming in and telling me I need, like, to upgrade and put a fire uh, exit sign, you know, above my door. And, and I need to put these these push bars, you know, emergency open doors. You know, I can't believe they're screwing with me. I'm like, wait a second. You know, those are things you should have. Yeah. Like you're talking, there's reasons these laws exist. There's reasons permits require these type of things at public, you know, establishments that are, you know, commercial. I said, we've learned lessons from, you know, fires and people can't get out of buildings. They're not screwing with you. They're allowing you to operate. So step up to the plate and fix your place up yeah and that's that's what we're seeing and i I think it's a good movement i think it's it's good there should be you know fire extinguishers and exit signs and doors that can open an emergency those are things that should exist and these people that are mom and pops are now learning how to truly be a businesswoman and a businessman and uh, we're seeing clubs like colette and trapeze and the champagne club we we go to these clubs and we're just amazed. Like these are some of the nicest, forget the swinging part of it. There's some of the nicest nightclubs we've ever been in. And we think that movement is, uh, is a good thing for, our, for, for our industry and, and for people interested in swinging in general. Yeah. We're taking it out of the, um, out of the dark areas that you mentioned, you know, out of the shady areas makes it more welcoming to people as well, which I think is a, a big, aspect in the change you know it, it, you don't have to walk into a dark alley anymore and kick a cat out of the road to get into a club you know you've, you've um you walk into a nice main entrance that's you know normally somewhat shielded from the public depending on where you are in the world but at least you've got 
you know, there's a feeling there that you're actually going somewhere, not that you're hiding in a back alley. Exactly. And, and that's going to help us all in the future, the acceptance of uh, this lifestyle. So, you know, there's still so many people out there that can't let their jobs know that they're what they're into and their families. And uh, for us, I mean, everybody knows about us and it's really uh, refreshing to not have to, to hide. Oh, Tess, you're, you're speaking my language, babe. I'm actually quitting my job in, hold on a second, 11 days. Um, and the reason I'm doing that is, uh, and the reason that we're using our names on the podcast now is because I haven't been able to for, uh, because of my contract, because of my, uh, my employment. Um, I'm quitting for various reasons, but the, the positive, uh, side of this is that I can now actually come out and say, this is, you know, I'm Kate, this is Daryl. Um, you know, we're trying to be more authentic within ourselves, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's really freeing. I've never really, really? given a shit. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Hey, before we, we've got some listener questions. They sent these in, but, uh, before we move on, um, I, I'm a big fan of a particular novelist who lives in New Orleans and I know you guys have lived there. So this is a funny ass question, but have you guys ever seen Anne Rice? She's the lady that created the, the Vampire Chronicles, the interview with the vampire. Have you ever seen her out and about in a bar? I mean, come on, tell, tell I, me. I have not. Damn it. it would be really cool too, but, uh, I don't believe she lives in New Orleans anymore. Dang it. She's sold. She sold her house. We we know her house. We've yeah. seen her house, and Tess has read all of her books. I read all of books. <laughs> that would just be my my dream. <laughs> anyway, we have celebrities out and about in New Orleans all the time. You know, Tess is actually well known as a celebrity butt grabber. <laughs> I can't do the that butt anymore now with the you know Me Too movement. Me, Me Too movement. That's, can't do that anymore. But for a long but time, we funny. would see celebrities in bars, and Tess would just go up and grab their butts. <laughs> and um they always got a kick out of it yeah it started i think the first one was uh jerry springer yeah that was at hito jerry and, springer uh, <laughs> yeah and then and then multiple other stars you know would come by and and tess would just run up there and grab their butts and it was funny at one particular place we saw um these guys from what was that movie uh weekend at bernie's weekend at bernie's <laughs> and uh, so he went up to, I think it's Joel Silverstein. John, Jonathan Silverman. Jonathan Silverman. I'm not good with celebrities' names. And yeah. she grabbed his butt and she said, what are you doing? And she says, it's just what I do. I, I grab celebrities' butts. And he says, oh, will you do me a favor? Will you go over and grab my wife's butt? And she said, sure, which one? And he said, that one right there. And she was beautiful, she was beautiful. blonde. And so she went up to her and just grabbed her butt. And she turned around and looked at it and she said, uh, your husband told me to do that. And she goes, oh, okay, cool. And- oh, I, thought, I thought the punchline was going to be, I, I'm not married. <laughs> uh, that was pretty funny. Her, hers was a much nicer, <clears throat> excuse me, hers was a much nicer butt than his. But um- <laughs> And we got to hang out with him and talk to him. Yeah, and it was fun. It, it was actually really cool. So, But, yeah, I've had to stop that now. So <laughs> That is quite an icebreaker you've got there, Tess. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> just I'm just going to run over and grab your ass. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, Quite so wow. yeah, uh, yeah. So a couple of listener questions. Um, this one's from uh, Who Knows, and they've said, uh, "How do you envisage Nin evolving over the next three to five years?" And they're asking also, like, what's needed from the lifestyle community to help make that happen? Well, I think the biggest thing for us, like one of our biggest focus going forward, is the sexual freedom parade and making that more known and more recognized. Um, the event itself is, like I said, kind of hit a ceiling. Uh, we can't really have many more people than we had last year and fit them into the ballrooms and into the playrooms. And the clubs, we've already taken over more and more clubs on Bourbon Street because we just can't fit everybody in. Um, and there's only so many clubs on Bourbon Street. So. so I think some of the biggest things we're doing uh, for the event is – we're trying to make it more visually appealing. We've we've been to a lot of festivals and seen some amazing visual art and visual like video and lighting and and so we're trying to bring in more of that. Uh, and we also think that will help bring in younger people, and we'll bring in you know more of these millennial types that go to a lot of festivals. Uh, even though I'm no longer of that age, I. I'm a festival junkie myself. So I see these things and want to bring the production value even higher and higher. 
um, as you'll see when you come this year. Well, guys, but put, really, sorry. My biggest focus is just getting that sexual freedom parade really, you know, to be in the forefront and and be something really nationally recognized, uh, similar to the way the gay pride parade started, and and I think that will help, you know, the event down the road uh, even be more accepted and more viable uh, in the future. So put me down for the uh, freedom parade. Like I said, I'm, I'm quitting my job. I'm ready to ready to get out and about. She's, a re- she's ready to get free and Put wild. me down. I will be there with bells on. I might have a special opportunity for you. So You actually want uh, me to wear bells, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and we, that we is might all. Be, uh, put you on a float uh, driving down the, the street so you can be up on a big float with your podcast on the side. I, 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 we pick people every year that we think are, are – you know, forward thinkers and, and progressive people that are pushing this lifestyle forward in a positive way. And we'd love to have someone like you on one of our, our floats. It's, it's kind of a, I think, a, an honor that we try to bestow on, on people that are doing the right thing. And, uh, I'd love to have you up on a float, throwing beads to the crowd, rolling down Bourbon Street. Oh, I love it. Love it. We actually ordered, uh, we've already ordered so many beads this year. Uh, we take, I think we, we bought them in New Orleans last time we went. So we could only buy like, I don't know, I think we ended up buying like 20 or 30. This year I've bought hundreds. So <laughs> we have a, uh, we have an ongoing joke with the TSA in the US. Every time yeah. we come into the country, we like we've really got a bag full, of, <laughs> bag full of butt plugs or what was the last Cock one? Rings. Cock rings, you know, so. Um, yep. Leaders of lube. Yeah, they're they're starting to. Um, uh, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of black mark against our names at some point. But we would love that. Thank you. We would love absolutely enjoy that. Just a warning. I've got a head for radio though. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll love it. You guys will have a blast. It's uh, so much energy. The last year we had over a thousand people. Uh, we have marching bands. We have a police escort. Uh, it, it's just. It's really. The energy now, uh, and everyone carrying signs that are representing themselves, you know, saying that they're sex positive. Uh, some people even write, I'm not a swinger, but I support those that are. And so we're getting all kinds of people in the parade now. And even people that aren't with Naughty New Orleans, they're just showing up, dressing in all white. So bring some white clothes. Yep. And, uh, and, and we're just going to show people that it's okay to be in a different, lifestyle if everyone's in white i'm hoping for rain how's that sound <laughs> <laughs> oh lord don't say that don't we, say no that no no I, I mean years ago it yeah. was such a mess oh i can imagine it would um it would be pretty well i mean for, for starters you'd knock a few people on the head they'd just stay at the hotel and work on getting laid i would suppose <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, it put a big dent into the parade for sure so um it's not a bad run into what R&M Socials asked us, they mentioned that you did a, an event in LA and they're curious as to whether you're going to do that again. Uh, the reason we did that event is because we had a cruise going out of LA and it was a a shorter cruise. So we wanted to do an event. It was a four night cruise, I believe. And we wanted to do an event to make it a week long event. Uh, so that was the, really the only reason we did uh, Naughty in LA. We'd love to go do some more cities and like we've expanded to Las Vegas now. Um, but you know, honestly with the cruise and with, uh, New Orleans and with Las Vegas, we're also doing something down in Mexico now called Naughty Beach. We're kind of at our own personal capacity at this point. Um, but we've hired some more people and you know, the more work they do, the, the more opportunities I think will come in the future. Asia. <coughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes I get that Asia croak stuck in my uh, throat there. Yeah. <laughs> Love Asia. We've been to Thailand many times, and, and the next time we go over there, we're going to go south and hit New Zealand and Australia for a bit. So Nice. That's, that's, that's definitely in our planning stages to go over there, and, and we're hoping one day we can do a group cruise. Probably not a takeover at first, but – We'd love to see a smaller, you know, a group of people uh, go over there and do maybe a an Aussie New Zealand type cruise in the future. 
Sounds yeah, perfect. It does. You can pencil us, um, pencil us in for that one as well if you're uh, planning on doing <laughs> that. <laughs> it will certainly be along. Um, it's, it's something that's desperately missing in the, I mean, Australia is a long way away from everywhere. That's one of the, one of the major issues behind that, of course. But, um, yeah, if we can certainly drag some more people out of your homeland down to ours, that would be fantastic. I, I think it'd be a, a very exciting trip for everyone. You guys come here. It's time for us to come there. And uh, <laughs> I want to meet all these crazy Aussies. If we did a group cruise, I would I would think that most of them would be from that region. But certainly there's plenty of Americans and Canadians that would just love to uh, jump across the pond and, and hang out with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there is a, there's quite a, a good-sized community in Australia now as well, which is – and given, you know, the – Again, riding the back of the LBGTQI community, we, we've really been able to express ourselves a lot more than perhaps we have in the past. So, um, well, actually, we, yeah, I mean, the, similar to what's happening over there, the even mainstream media, there's actually uh, tomorrow, so on, on Sunday in Australia, there's going to be a, a newspaper article out in, in a major Australian newspaper um, about the swinging lifestyle and the fact that, as you say, you know, people are turning and, and investing, uh, sorry, investigating what they can do with their sexuality and, and looking for more. And so, you know, we are seeing more of that picked up as well. Now, I have a question here actually from some, some locals. They gave me some local jargon about where, where they actually live and there's the name of a highway. I'm not going to go into any of that. But these guys talking about building the community, they've just started a blog, so they, they are the Swinging Cajuns. Um, you can get them on Twitter. But they said, you know, for, for people in their local area, I mean, aside from like the, the big events like, like Naughty, you know, how, how could, People start perhaps a, a local meet and greet. Uh, you know, how, how could the local community remedy the fact that perhaps in some areas, uh, all they have are big events or, um, you know, they have to go elsewhere? How could they create their own little community if you guys had any tips for them? You know, we started out just going to, you know, local bars and inviting people over. There was no charge, there was no cost. And uh, certainly that's the easiest way to get up and running. Uh, where we live, in New Orleans, there are some amazing clubs like Colette. And just outside of town, there's clubs at Lafayette. There's people that meet on the North Shore about an hour north of us. There's uh, one of our favorite clubs is Hub City Select. It's up in Haysburg, Mississippi. That's just a couple hours. And there's, there's meet and greets that happen all on the coast of Mississippi, Florida, the Panhandle. Uh, there are meet and greets all over the place. It just depends on what you're looking for. But if somebody wants to start something new, I would uh, encourage them to find a really good meeting place and get with the bar owner and tell them you want to bring a group of people and find a little private place in the back. And uh, that's that's the best way, I think, to to get started. Awesome. Now, we, we actually, it's funny because we, we put up this, uh, you know, does anybody want to ask any questions? Three of them were really similar. Three of these questions, uh, we've already covered one, but it's all about, you know, how, how to change that perception, how to, you know, how do you guys uh, intend to use media coverage? So we had one from uh, Andy M and the second one from Mr. Gray, and they're both saying the same thing. You know, media has in the past had a tendency to perhaps n- uh, negatively, and, you know, how are you guys trying to work with some of those media agencies to, uh, if you are, to, um, you know, make it a bit more positive? Well, we just did um, a show. It really uh, hasn't been announced yet, but Lisa Ling is a, a very well-respected journalist. Uh, she does a show called America with Lisa Ling, and she's going around looking at people in, I guess, alternative communities, not so much sexually, but um she certainly picked ours is one, and uh, she has a one-hour show coming up on it. But we've done media interviews with 60 Minutes, Primetime Live. We've been on every major news station. We do a lot of writing and send off things. We've been in, you know, everything from USA Today, Washington Post to, you know. For us, it's just about getting out information and finding media sources that will uh, carry our story. Um Again, we're trying to make our story as as honest and open as possible and let people judge for themselves. Uh, but we try to do it in a way that is endearing and not scary and not confrontational. And we've seen very good coverage 
Uh, every year we see it getting more and more and more, especially, as I said before, the sexual freedom parade. Uh, that's been covered in We've seen articles in Taiwan, uh, all over Europe, all over the U.S., Canada, Mexico. Um, it, it's been covered nationally or internationally. Uh, so has our cruises. Uh, we did a, um, a skinny dip day. We tried to beat the world record for skinny dipping. And uh, we actually did, and, and we were getting it certified when a group in Ireland actually blew our number out of the water. So, uh, And they currently hold the record. But um, it's just about getting as much information out there and trying to find positive uh, media sources. And we've been very fortunate. And I think when this Lisa Ling story comes out, it's going to be fantastic. Everything we've seen so far shows that they're, they're just sitting, listening to what our people are saying. They're not trying to spin it. They're not trying to, you know, critique it or, or sensationalize it. Right. They're just report, letting people say, this is who we are. And I think that's, in the end, the most important part is if we can find media to just let people show who they are. And what ends up happening is people look at them and go, they're just like us. Everybody has these thoughts and these feelings. You know, how many actually act upon it? Uh, we're all attracted to different people. I mean, that's just a fact of nature. We're, we're all told that we're not supposed to be non-monogamous. Um, but the truth is everybody at their core is and showing people that you can actually be, as you said, ethically non-monogamous and it's okay. That's a revelation to a lot of people that have never heard that before. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've certainly been down that path ourselves in discussions with some of the people that we've, we've met along the way and, and, you know, certainly people outside of the lifestyle who, well, generally, Kate's actually out at us too, which is kind of interesting. After a few, <laughs> after a few wines, she decides to. I get um, drunk and I just let my freak flag fly. You yeah. know, like the mask comes off, and I, I want to be myself. And I'm like, just, I'll, I'll, you know, you guys mentioned Thailand. Uh, we were actually in Soy Cowboy, which is a pretty well known bar uh, area. And I went out the front, and there was a couple sitting there having drinks. And I was like, hey, sat down, started drinking. And then I was like, hey, by the way. I'm in a consensually non-monogamous relationship. My name's Kate. How are you guys doing? Um, <laughs> yeah. You just Which is so really, really weird. It's weird. I might yeah, add. I get that. Tess is out ass-grabbing celebrities, and I'm getting dra- <laughs> dragged over the coals for telling people about my sex. Come on. You know, wine is involved in both of those scenarios. There, there may be, there may <laughs> something, be a, to uh, something to go there. Yeah, some I like overlap. wine. I could have some right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I mean, given the time zone difference, we are actually having wine at the moment. So um, this is standard practice for us when dealing with uh, you folk over in the US is that generally the people we're talking to are drinking coffee while we're drinking wine or the other way around. One's a lot more fun than the other. For sure. Yes, definitely. Except Tess, she puts Bailey's in her coffee. Yes, I always do. Oh, wow. Um, I just had my parents here to stay. I probably should have done that, actually. Would have... um, (laughs) Would have really made <laughs> life a lot more interesting. <laughs> so this year, um, test the theme nights. What what are, what's in store for us this year? I haven't actually looked. Um, Kate does all the bookings generally for us. Well, no, the schedule and everything is still work in progress. Ah. So you're you're asking for a bit of inside oh, this is, intel. Uh, sorry, then. okay, I didn't realise that. So. <laughs> Well, we have announced three of our themes. Oh. Uh, there's still one more to announce, I believe. We are going to have a, uh, a space, um, odyssey ball. Anything to do with space. It should be pretty, uh, interesting and hopefully we'll have some really creative, uh, outfits for that night. Uh, we're doing, uh, we always do a color to make it easy for people. And this year we're doing a blue bayou. Everybody dress in blue, all different shades of blue. And, uh, and of course, always on Saturday night, we always have our Mardi Gras ball, um, Mardi Gras masquerade ball. So that's just our signature, uh, one. So there is one more theme that, uh, Bob usually comes up with all the themes. Um, and then I either veto them or, uh, <laughs> agree with them. So, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the last theme to come out of his head so that we can, uh, get that announced soon. I'm waiting for that too. <laughs> you might have to dig it out at some point, just in there with a spoon. Right. That or I'll have to come up with one. Well, so. I love, we'll announce the last one. I love that, uh, that sexy space odyssey theme though. I mean, in my head, I'm like thinking sexy Jetsons. Kate's totally nerding out right now. Yeah. It really is for the nerds. We we do a annual Spaceball Parade 
here in New Orleans called Chewbacca's. And, you know, it's <laughs> everything. It. It's, everything. Oh, it's inspired by Star Wars and Star Trek and, you know, all these different. It's all the nerds. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's and they're so creative with the costumes and the floats and everything. It's, it's a lot of fun. Do a live uh, Facebook live session from Chewbacca's this year. So people can see it and get inspired by the amazing costumes people wear. That's awesome. No, I was just saying, I, in my head instantly, I was like, I can go as Seven of Nine from Star Trek. So yes. I already yep. have my outfit now yep. planned in my head. Oh, I got to say, Catherine, uh, Captain Catherine Janeway is still pretty hot. Yeah, she's I mean, pretty hot. For different and reasons. And Barbarella. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite. I'm trying to think if I can come up looking like that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to need to spend a lot more time at the gym for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they make these uh, fake washboard abs that I'm thinking about wearing. So, Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's that's the, probably the about the only way I'm going to get them as well, I think. Um, unfortunately, my love affair with pizza and wine comes before my love affair with the gym. We just wanted to, I guess, wrap that up with saying thank you so much. Um, you guys have got some awesome events obviously coming in uh, 2019. And as you said, you know, you're starting to go down to Mexico and, and you've got uh, the, the cruises coming up. So we'll make sure we put a link to all that on our, our show notes. But um, we can't wait to come back. You know, as I said before, we were... Uh, overwhelmed last time because it was well, so. I new. mean, let's just let's just say it was more me that was overwhelmed than it was you. Yeah. Um, given country, I come from country boy. Yeah. Given I come from a, a hometown with fifteen people. Yes, that's one five. Um, you know, to walk into a room full of swingers of that sort of uh, that sort of event was a little bit overpowering for me. Yeah, but I t- I'll tell you, one of the big takeaways um, from us in, in 2016 was actually some of the friends that we've made along the way. You know, we, we, we met some amazing people at uh, 2016 that we've kept in contact with, that we've flown internationally and internationally to see now. Yeah. Um, and that's the biggest takeaway for us. I mean, an event is is amazing and, and the seminars and everything else that goes into it is fantastic over, over the course of the, the convention. But, you know, actually creating those uh, connections that are going to last, you know, a lifetime uh, is, is really special. We tell people that we don't gauge the success of an event that we go to on how many times we have sex at the event. We gauge the success of the event by how many friends we make at the event. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that motto. It's a very good way to go. For anyone who's listening and is uh, going along as well, if you can, uh, we were we were lucky enough to stick around for one day after your event when we were there in 2016 as well. And actually, a couple we met at the event were were kind enough to take us around New Orleans and show us, you know, some of the some of the side of New Orleans that you don't necessarily see as a tourist. And it was, uh, you know, that was actually one of the one of the best days while we were there as well because we got to see the true, you know, again, you, you get a, a tour guide to take you around a town you've never been to before and, and um, they just happen to be roasting hot as well. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was good visual production as well as um, a, a good tour around the, the, um, the city itself. It's a phenomenal city. On Friday, we do a industry tour for people that have podcasts and websites and travel agents and clubs. And uh, I hope you can come with us on that. Actually get to take a tour of our house and uh, some very interesting off the beaten path places you would never find on your own. Uh, Tess and I turn into tour guides uh, for a couple hours on Friday and uh, make sure you save your schedule for that and jump on the bus with us and we'll yeah. show you some interesting yeah. things. Absolutely. You know, we're keen for that. We're this year. Um, well, we're actually going uh, via Dallas and Austin this year. We're going to hang out with uh, Jay and Angie first and then we're all flying down. So I, I, I'm a bit concerned about that American Airlines flight with the four of us on there, but we're flying all in on Tuesday morning and we're not heading out again until Sunday night. So we are definitely there and uh, our, our schedule is, is free. We want to really just soak up the environment and just, just party, to be honest. Last time they came to New Orleans, uh, Jay passed out in my on my couch. We'll uh, we'll have to rip him about that next time he comes. Can I say he does uh, that after two can beers? I, say, I was about to say I'm sure <laughs> yours is not the only couch that has experienced Jay's passing out. Yep. 
<laughs> I think we've had some Skype calls with him on the way home from events where he's um he's already passed out, but he's still managing to communicate in some way. <laughs> God love him. He's awesome. We love those guys. Yeah, they're great. Thank you again, guys. Um, we're going to put all your links up here for people to come out. If if anyone out there is listening and, and doesn't know Naughty Events, jump online, have a look. Well, we look forward to seeing you there and everybody else. And, uh, and if anyone... Uh has any questions about any of our events please don't hesitate to call us oh, there's one last question here from uh, C&D from Swinging Down Under and that is when can they expect a Naughty in Singapore to kick off <laughs> that's hilarious that's, that's, that's <laughs> well we appreciate what you guys do we, uh, we, we think you guys really do a good job, we've listened to several of your podcasts we definitely uh, need more people like you guys out there 